Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. Thank you to patrons including Jamie, Nick, Andy Rivet-Karnak, Jack Weeks, John Atwood, Charlotte, and Kenji Yoshino, who are supporting us directly. You can join them, get access to our full-length ad-free show, our Patreon-exclusive weekly sister show, Extra Message, and a whole lot more by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. Ian, I won't pretend that we haven't been speaking for the last half an hour ahead of the show, and therefore I know you're fine, but how are you? I am I'm fine. fine. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Thank Good. you. Good. Uh, what a treat for the senses, both eyes, ears, and uh, other. Yeah, the, um, um, the Patreons are going to get a bit of a, an ex- extended show with a headphone chat, aren't they? This well, they, they always get an extended show, but you're Well, I right. know that, but yes. you know this, this one was particularly about headphones. Uh, sit on the edge of your seat uh, until your buttocks are f- begging for mercy and uh, additional ballast, because that's to come. Um, but let's start by talking about something completely unrelated. A petition has been created on the government's parliament.uk website to promote the idea of British citizens being required to show verified ID in order to open a social media account. Now, normally we'd gloss over this until at such point any public lobbying like this gone a debate in commons or similar. But in this instance, it is worth noting because at the time of recording, the petitions had more than 160,000 signatures and therefore passes the threshold required to force consideration of a debate by MPs. No date's been set for that, but will need to be within 10 days. There's a twist, though. I discovered this petition through an alert system that, that just for the side note there, an alert system. Uh, and that's what's prompted me to turn my attention to it. But I noticed the name of the person who created this petition was Katie Price, which I recognised. So Googled Katie Price petition and discovered this is indeed the same Katie Price of glamour model Jordan fame. And interestingly, the same Google search showed another petition trying to ban her from buying animals. But We're not going to go into that, but it was an interesting little uh, diversion there. Um, So this little bit of surface level digging goes partway to explaining, I think, how this garnered so many signatures in just a few days. Obviously, she's a very well-known celebrity with a number of years of campaigning behind her as a result of her son Harvey receiving online abuse. Um, But I thought the idea was worth us discussing anyway, firstly, because while I don't think overall it's a good idea for reasons we'll go into... I do understand the motivation behind why some people are in favour of it. Proponents argue that it would uh, prevent anonymized harmful activity and provide some kind of traceability to people who are found breaking the law. Um, Secondly, I think it's interesting because this suggestion follows the government's publication of the online harms bill. Now this, if you remember, we've talked about this on many times over the last couple of years, this was proposed by Theresa May's government a couple of years back and covers the removal of illegal content such as child sexual abuse, uh, terrorist material, uh, things that promote suicide uh, and how those things should be governed 
and which sites must comply or say goodbye to access uh, to UK users at least. And there was a Guardian story in December that noted that it also requires platforms to abide by a new code of conduct that sets out their responsibilities towards children uh, specifically. But this doesn't go far enough, or so the implicit messaging behind this new petition suggests. The third reason I think this is interesting, of course, is that it doesn't stand a chance of working, uh, whether because it reminds everyone of how things work in China's social media landscape, where IDs are are required for setting up personal blogs, for instance, or because the anonymity provided by social media is broadly used for good in this country and provides protection for uh, activists, minorities, uh, vulnerable people, uh, and and children, frankly. And in fact, children would need to get parental permission to join a social media site in this scenario. Um, And obviously, all of those people I just mentioned would have their views uh, or their ability to express views or concerns um, perhaps hindered because they'd be otherwise too nervous to voice them uh, against their own name. Plus, Ian, and this is where I open this to you, Mm. I do also wonder whether something like this, even if it went ahead the way it's been proposed, would even work. Because if you look at any of the comments on some uh, social media sites and websites that have social media powered comments which I did as part of my research for this story it doesn't look like the world's worst people have any problem saying terrible things when it's against their own name and profile so would something like this even work anyway that's an interesting question you mean so what what you've checked out things like where you've got facebook posts um underneath a story so people are actually using their real Facebook account to post, so it's therefore their real name. Yeah, I, I think okay. I, I just see people... The idea is that if people were forced to say things against an account that was in their own name and that was trackable back to them personally, they would say less offensive things or they would say fewer things um, that are greatly offensive. I... Right. So, I mean, yes, you will always find that there will be some people who will not be deterred by that in the slightest because they will believe that their opinion is um, perfectly reasonable. Uh, you know, if you've, been, if you've been raised a racist, racist, you're probably going to stay a racist. There's not a lot anyone can really do about that. Um, the point is always that we have to educate our children to not be racist. Um, and, they, and they will probably legitimately feel that some of their views are valid. And that might, be, that might start with people who just have a slightly old-fashioned approach to things, wording, using particular terms. That's you know, offensive but not earth-shattering. It's not necessarily bigotry. It might just be, you know, a, a lack of moving with the times. Um, uh, you know, but the, the whole thing is just, you're not going to swipe that under the table anytime soon. However, unlike you, I'm coming round to the idea of this. Um, I, I was thinking about it while you were talking, and... I kind of think that there possibly would be a way of doing it. And it's not quite like this. I think, so let's take, for example, the example of Twitter. If um, Twitter could offer a kind of a validation, so maybe something like the verified tick, maybe a green tick or something like that, that sat alongside it. Um, and if you if you had opted into the system, you would be, you would provide them with proof that you were who you said you are. And I'll come to how I think you could run that later. Um, but you would op- open up the opportunity then for people to optionally become uh, a verified account 
in that regard. So, you know, they are who they say they are. It's been verified by Twitter. Um, and then you could give people the opportunity to you to only see tweets from those accounts, maybe, or to only receive replies from people with those accounts. So what you might do is sort of cut down on the amount of unnecessary trolling that happens on particularly Twitter. I'm kind of focusing on Twitter here because it's more public. It feels more exposed. You're more likely to catch lunatics on Twitter than you are on Facebook because a Facebook feed is is largely going to be your own friends unless you've opted to go public. But, I, you know, who does that? I, I suppose celebrities maybe. Um but anyway, so so th- that for me would be one way of offering people a safety net. So if you felt like you were getting a hard time all the time, you could just turn off replies from anyone that hadn't been through that process. And sure, you'd get some, um, but at the same time, it would probably reduce the general sort of faceless trolls. Um, so that would be my idea for how that might work. So it's a it's a voluntary opt in. Yeah. Um, system rather than a mandatory one backed by legislation yeah. that you're, so you're, you're in favour of. Yeah, so you're, what you're kind of doing is you're kind of giving people access to a better Twitter, if you want, or a better... I mean, it would work for Facebook as well. You know, all these people are verified. They've all proved they are who they are, who they say they are, um, and they're traceable. And if and if they did something that was threatening or illegal, then, you know, you you theoretically could get in touch with them or the the authorities could track them down, which of course they can already sort of do, but um, it might make it a little bit easier, or, or it might make the threat of it stop people from being quite so disgusting online. Um, the other thing is, increasingly, it sounds as if there's going to be a need for some sort of verification. Now, I think that there's a way of doing it that's a, that could be done for a third party, um, whereby you give the third party your in fact there are already companies doing this uh marty used to work for one didn't she that that, that does identity verification on fido so, yeah so there are already companies out there who will verify your identification and then you could use that to sign up to social networks um and then that way twitter doesn't actually have your details so to speak they can't be leaked you're using a trusted source to to authenticate who you are and you could do that and you could have a uk endorse system that would enable you to sign up for that if you wanted to. It could be, and I hate to say it, and I don't think it will ever work, but the the uh, the porn ban is back in the news again. Because we're going to come um, to that another day. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that now. No, that's fine. But it but it is back in the news. And again, if you if if we if we sort of <laughs> assume that the government will push it through at some point, this would be a way of combining all of those things um, and offering a, a safe system. But like you. I do think it won't work because, let's be honest, Twitter is not a British company. Most of the people using Twitter are not British. They would be American. Um, but, you know, my system might work because you could eventually block out all of those people. But it would inhibit your ability to communicate with the rest of the world. But, you know, it, if you were talking about a more generalized requirement, then, yeah, sure. If you sign up in the UK for a Twitter account, then you're going to have to present ID to do it. Fine. But that's not going to save you from the people in Australia and America and France and Germany and all of those, you know, none of those people are particularly single-handedly responsible for trolling. But there's a good spread of people in the world who are. So you end, so- up, you end up with a system where um, you you go to a different country where it's legal to be an asshole. Yeah. 
basically and, and you know oh well, everyone comes to sue journalists in the uk for libel because yep. we have uh, archaic uh, libel and slander legislation that that puts the burden of proof on on the accused not the accuser which is crazy given yes. how things usually work in the law so simply go to france where you can be much more hateful uh without criminal penalty that would be a wonderful situation would it yeah I mean, that's really? exactly the problem, isn't it? So, you know, that that's, it sounds awful. that's it. It you sounds can, like a terrible, does, terrible it, idea. It does. And that and that's and that's the issue, isn't it? You're, you're basically you're the rest of the world is not going to accept that as an op- option. The Americans in particular would just never want to do that. Um, and that's fine because obviously, of you know, but that's part of the Internet. The Internet is a an unpleasantly unregulated place. But I think the Internet also has to get used to the fact that it's part of life now and as such it is going to increasingly be regulated um and that's just a n- n- fact of life a couple of things i want to raise that have been mentioned in our chat room while we've been recording this live uh, on this topic um richard offered a an interesting suggestion of how this might work in practice in terms of the verification process and he said that when he registered to be um a food delivery driver for a, a firm uh, he said it was easy to take a QR code to the post office where they scanned it, showed his driving license and passport. They verified who he, you know, he said he was. Uh, and then 48 hours later, his account with that company was activated. Now, in principle, that sounds very straightforward and very logical. But the people who are going to be most harmed by something like this are not the people who are happy to go online and say nice things to other people. These are the people that either want to go online to be complete assholes, as we've said, or they are the people who feel they are threatened by being publicly known. Maybe they are scared for their safety. Maybe they need to uh, um, view voice something that, that is very counter to what people think is, is okay or acceptable. You know, there are tons and tons of reasons why people um, would maybe not want to have their identity linked to what they say even if what they're saying is um, is, is not offensive or, or hateful in the way, uh, or, or at all, not just in the way we're talking about, but just at all. Um, Nick also mentioned that something like this wouldn't work globally f- for people in what we would consider to be an oppressive regime uh, and for whistleblowers, which is, which is definitely true. Um, and finally, Charlotte reminded me of a, of, a, of a book and a film that I actually had forgotten about how good it was called The Circle, She's referring to the book uh, written in 2013 about Ah, this Google-style company where people have to put their real confirmed names and all this sort of stuff in. And I haven't read the book. I've heard about it, but uh, I did watch the film on Netflix that has Emma Watson in it. And it's a very good film. It was the first thing I'd seen her in where she didn't have a wand in her hand. Um, And that's actually why I watched it, not really knowing much about what the film was about. But it turns out it's a brilliant film. It's good fun. Interesting um, about uh, yeah how that can get out of hand. To be um, fair though, you know the the t- the tie between you're using your real name on a social media profile and having it registered somewhere is not necessarily the same thing. I do strongly believe that there are lots of people who need uh, anonymity online, um, uh, be that not using their real name or you know whatever. So I don't think you could necessarily uh, you you it wouldn't. I don't think it would be a good idea to force people to post under their real names. But I do think that the verification thing would say, yeah, you know, there is a real human associated with this account, 
Um, I mean, let's and- be honest, there's evidence out there already. Facebook has nearly 3 billion people registered to it. It is the um, the epicenter in a volcano of hateful content, and it forces people to use their real names. So if you want to see any evidence for that not actually working the way that it's being proposed, uh, just look at Facebook. Or look at some of yeah, the comments but the thing on is, the it's Daily not- Mail's website. Well- yeah, but it's not. Well, yeah, but that doesn't force you to use your real name. Um, and um, Facebook forces you to use your real name, but isn't very good at actually enforcing it. Mm. So you can quite easily set up an account not in under your real name on Facebook. It's it's not challenging. Um, have, so, hmm. have you found a way to be hateful without penalty on the internet? Um, if you'd like to tell us the way that you've achieved being such an awful human being. Um, or if you're someone who has a way of keeping such awful human beings uh, away from other people on the internet, do let us know by sending us an email to uktechshow at icloud.com. The Guardian wrote this week that the UK video games market hit a record £7 billion last year as lockdown fueled an unprecedented boom in the popularity of mobile games, consoles and virtual reality headsets. The gaming industry has proved to be a coronavirus winner, the paper went on, with tens of millions of consumers looking for relief from indoor boredom. Gaming fans were joined by millions of newbies seeking out home entertainment, resulting in £1.6 billion more being spent on games last year compared with 2019. That's 30% year-on-year growth. Thanks, COVID-19. Uh, Top sellers included Animal Crossing and Call of Duty, no surprise there. And let's not forget that in that same period, we've also had a brand new Xbox, uh, a new PlayStation, plus the growing appeal of flat rate subscriptions for things like Apple Arcade and Microsoft's Game Pass Pass and and so forth. Um, But I've seen evidence of this because I've spent a lot more money on games over the last year. Uh, Kate has also bought... Uh, a Nintendo Switch in that period and we've talked a great deal about um, how games have been helping people stay connected so on the one hand it's not massively surprising that that sales would go up this much but I think the amount that it's gone up uh, is is significant you know that 30% year-on-year growth in the UK is significant and cannot be accounted for purely because we've had a new console or there's been a new Call of Duty game. I mean, there's a new Call of Duty every year. Um, So this is an outlier figure, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it it makes sense, doesn't it? Like, no one's particularly surprised by this. Like, the same way they wouldn't be surprised if streaming had gone up a lot this year. Um, it's, It's just inevitable that bored people at home will switch to other forms of entertainment so it's good it's really good i think um the more we can encourage gaming and uk game development particularly would be a wonderful thing lots of lovely jobs there to be had by people um yeah and a world of possibilities to explore in gaming i think um one of the aspects that i found quite interesting about the pandemic is seeking out uh comfort in predictability so i've read a lot about how some people like watching re-watching old stuff because they know how it's going to end and i think that similar has definitely been true in um 
in gaming for me i've been playing a lot of old games you know games from my childhood because there's something rather comforting in the familiar you know i've been playing final fantasy i mean i was playing final fantasy 10 this morning that game came out in 2002 maybe 2003 um and it's a full price game when i bought it it's probably the most expensive old game i've ever bought but so much was my desire for something familiar that i hadn't played on uh, an ipad or or something for age for for years that it, it it drew me in and i've been loving it and i can sit there and drink the same type of tea that i drank when i was a teenager living at <laughs> home uh, eat the same type of soft biscuits um large cookies um and it's just been lovely have you done that you, you know what it's funny i found particularly recently like in the start of lockdown i did definitely play a lot more games um now i seem to have transitioned to more of a tv watching thing like for some reason i watched all of lucifer i I don't know why um (laughs) but you know like i i just feel like i i'm enjoying just sitting motionless on the sofa um having entertainment fed to me rather than having to play anything um, but I guess it's always cyclical, isn't it? Like, I'm always going to have periods where I want to watch movies or TV shows more than I want to watch, you know, sit down and play a game. Um, I think a lot of it's got to do with energy levels. I found this last particular phase of lockdown particularly draining from an energy point of view. Um, and I've got so much stuff I could be doing around the house, but I just, you know, work ends and I go and sit down and, you know, consume TV for four hours. Ah, it is what it is. But you know, I, 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 I think gaming certainly helped helped keep me sane in the first bit. I haven't replayed anything though, which is interesting. Ah. Um, I don't know. The last game I went back to, I hadn't ever finished the first time, and it was Bioshock. Um, and then I, uh, and I replayed it because it, it was on PC. It was remastered on PC, and it had never been available on PC before. Yeah. So I thought, oh well, I can't turn down this opportunity. So I got it on PC and played it all the way through, and absolutely loved it. Um, which is not really a big surprise because I loved Bioshock Infinite as well, even though it wasn't the most popular game. Uh, but I just thought it was—they're just beautiful stories that are just really well told i like games like that i don't mind the linear on rails nature of it so much um, and whilst an open world game is a lot of fun i also sometimes kind of need to be told what to do or i'll just amble around aimlessly um i think i was trying to when you were talking i was trying to think well what is the reason why a game for me is more distracting uh from the reality and perils of life than a movie and i think it's because it's interactive because you have to think about what you're doing um you have to you the ex for the guy the kind of games that i play as well there's an exploration involved and my hope with playing some of the final fantasies even though i know them backwards um that i'd find something or some character or some aspect of the game that i've not encountered before uh, or haven't encountered for so long that i forgot that it, it it was there and i found that that has kind of spurred me on to to replay the game in a weird sort of way yeah yeah i sort of understand yeah. that i um, also played the new uh, resident evil 7 on my own in the dark at two o'clock in the morning why because i was curious it was on game pass and it turns uh. out that a game that i thought that for medical reasons i should never even install let alone play let alone play 
in the dark at 2am on my own, it's wildly overrated in how scary it is. Oh, really? In my opinion. I mean, Andy, I asked him about it, and he said that he played it when it came out, but he had to play it in the day, in daylight, with the good life, playing on his iPad simultaneously to <laughs> keep him calm. Um, and I just I just thought, I don't get why this is so scary. It's just really, really predictable and uh, annoying. I actually really enjoyed the game. It was a, it was a fun enough game. Well, but, yeah, um, so it just wasn't that scary to you. Yeah, that's fair scary. enough. So um, um, I didn't yeah. just play old stuff. I was playing some relatively uh relatively new stuff too but um, yeah um luke yeah. in the chat says he's been playing dyson sphere which is um looks interesting actually it's the kind of thing i might enjoy sounds like a uh home product that you play with outside the dyson sphere uh Oh, it sure. fell on. That fell on deaf ears. Never mind. Um, Kate in the chat says uh, she's been playing Pokemon Diamond on the DS, which I can attest to, having sat next to her while she's uh, well, she's done it. And then she bought the Switch, of course, to play Let's Go Pikachu, been, uh, which has been great fun. I did really enjoy Animal Crossing at the start. I sort of lost my, you know, willpower with it a bit, but I, I enjoyed the experience of it to start with. I found it very calming. Kate tried it and then said that there was some lion or something that kept trying to talk to her and live on her island. She's like, I wanted this so I can make an island of my of my own. Yeah, they no do one else and, can be on. They do. They do come and want to live with you. And it is a bit annoying. Yeah, um, it, it is. It is quite irritating that I have to say, and you don't get a choice. Um, and it's quite well understood that there are some animals that come that are really irritating. Yeah, I, I th- that if I was moving to a desert island on my own the reason would be because i want to get away from people and lions and frankly if you want to make a terrifying game lock me alone on an island with no shelter with a lion um that is going to be far more terrifying than anything resident evil throws at you Mm. um but there we go mark said he was disappointed with animal crossing um uh, four people playing on a switch was annoying so i don't think uh, kate's alone in that um do you think if you live <laughs> she alone says in live that... chat it's not a game it's a ponzi scheme with animals uh that is exactly what it is that's absolutely correct she's a- entirely correct on that fair, um, as, fair assessment it is though. it is it's uh it, it is um yeah mm. you basically get hustled into buying more and more expensive things by a, a raccoon i believe is he a raccoon absolutely no idea no idea also very little interest hey um, no she's a vet she is a veterinary nurse. Well, yes, yes okay, veterinary nurse, but yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, if you are a veterinary nurse, um, if you've had your hand inside an animal, have you been trapped on an island with an animal? Uh, let us know how you escaped or what you did with your hands within it. UK Tech Show at iCloud.com. <laughs> little quick one in i just wanted to yeah. go over this um there were a whole bunch of local newspapers around the uk uh, as well as a couple of nationals reporting that bt is going to make another four thousand of its red phone boxes available to adopt for a yeah. pound um so i mean this is a scheme that's been around for some time over a decade in fact and uh, i read that about six thousand or more have been adopted around the uk 
uh, for use as anything from small art galleries to book swap schemes to coffee stands to housing for defibrillators. Uh, of course, in London, the vast majority are used exclusively as a way of promoting the services of sex workers uh, used as toilets or both. Uh, in fact, actually, funny story, I had a deeply troubling experience uh, standing in one of these abandoned phone boxes during a downpour uh, around 2017, but during the Pokemon Go craze, uh, meaning that I stayed dry while catching a Snorlax, but did stink of piss uh, afterwards <laughs> and with a sudden urge to be uh, rubbed up and down by a buxom young lady dressed as a Santa. Um, but anyway, more of these phone boxes are now available for adoptions, a caveat being that you need to be a charity or a local parish uh, or own the land upon which said phone box is standing uh, or be a local authority like a council. Um, but... In the absence of anything else I particularly wanted to talk about this week, uh, I did think we could uh, talk about some innovative ways that we could use an old phone booth. Uh, for instance, soundproofing one uh, as a podcast studio uh, or yeah. at a push as a, as, a, as a kind of Zoom calling booth for uh, just the one person. That's uh, not really much of a diversion from their intended use, though, is it? A Zoom calling station. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that uh, slash annoyed i didn't think of it first but yes um we did have some chats uh with the patrons ahead of time actually in the chat room um we had a few ideas uh richard did remind us of course that uh, you can get into the ministry of magic uh in london with one specific phone box no hints as to which it is uh spoiler doesn't exist um and oh, doesn't it that's disappointing H i suppose they had to do that because people would just go and take photographs out it was outside it all the time yeah uh, Andy H says a Corona disinfection booth where um, jets of water spray you within the phone box. I think that'd be a good that, idea. That's, that's a decent idea. Yeah. It would remind me of the beginning of Doom 3 when you're disinfected yeah. uh, or indeed uh, any Corona disinfection booth uh, booths. Uh, Al Struthers says uh, we have one in our village that's an art installation. It has color changing lights uh, that are visible at night. Often has decorations dangling in it during different seasons. Which is a, a nice use. Luke's, Sounds nice. Luke said uh, it could be the world's most obvious geocache, um, which I'm sure some have been used for already. Um, but also, he says, could this be a back to nature sort of service, make it an ideal spot for hibernating animals? I really like that idea. Um, could have uh, yeah, um, a very small animal sanctuary. Little, or little catnip dispensers so that the cats go in and get a bit of catnip and then go crazy and then nap in little baskets that have been placed inside. Yeah. Uh, Kate says in our live chat, there's a pub in Cambridge that has one as a big fish tank. Which, that uh, sounds very, like a lot of work. Very, very tall fish tank, uh, or a fish tank for very tall fish. Uh, of course, if they, they'd have to rotate slightly, most fish are longer than they are tall. Uh, they are, then, but also they, they are suspended in liquid, so your suggestion that they'd have to be big is kind of odd because there'd just be lots of little fish yes i mean I, yeah I you're, you're talking about a fish filling the entire phone booth that seems unusual to me it, it seems like the kind of thing we need opinion on from the people who are involved in it yeah. i if, think if, you, if definitely... you are if you are if you are a piscine suspended in a matrix of liquid uh, let us know how you get on how do you do, see the world do you know how much you're allowed to modify them once you've I... adopted them well, it's not ownership, as far as yes, I'm aware. Yes, I was aware of that. No, no. They it is adoption. Them. I do know that my mum repainted the one outside her house where she lives in a hamlet in Derbyshire. 
Yeah. Um, and I believe that's permitted. I don't think you can modify them. Like, I don't think you could saw one in half. Um, no, but I, I'm wondering if you could sort of um, turn it into a gigantic sort of hamster uh environment where but you've got tubes coming out of it uh, you know out of the glass and around the thing and then little hamsters run around and have the time of their lives i wondered if that might be a thing oh that could be fun yeah that could be fun it'd be cute wouldn't it or uh, or you could maybe i don't know make it into the world's and i'm surprised you haven't suggested this uh-huh. uh snail enclosure well they get too cold uh you could heat it well this is true you could put you could put glass all around it and then just turn yeah. it you know into a warmed snail they have power that's true i suppose you could keep a blog about it couldn't you i've got a snail blog on our website it's called something's afoot <sighs> um i did notice that you earlier suggested beehive i did yes i was being stupid ah but i mean you could do it it'd be great you know so you know if uh it would be i think it'd be quite a nice beehive you'd have to warn people this is a beehive uh and you open the door and then all the bees come out so that wouldn't be ideal. But um, I don't know. I, I like bees. They're in trouble. Um, you just probably have to seal it shut with a lock. And then a beekeeper could come along and look after the bees um, and, and uh, remove the honey and maybe sell it at, at pots around the, uh, the the phone book booth or something. Or I suppose it'd be a flashback to being in a phone box and saying, I'll give you a buzz. Ha! Ah! It's good. Ah, Charlotte in the live chat says, B-T. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, Mark suggests good. a superhero changing room. Uh, also agree with that. Um, uh, or a changing room in any form. It'd be a great place. Um, I have uh, I have come up with some of my own suggestions here, by the way, uh, in addition to being a podcast studio, which remains my preferred choice for all phone uh, boxes or phone buy, uh-huh. if you will. Um, I suggested it could be a drone landing station for parcels. Okay. That, when that we, having of... stuff delivered by drone. Just, but I don't... Don't know how they'd open the door. And well, the top I tend suppose to be curved, but it, it, could work. Yeah, or a could, delivery if could, station. If you could make it so that the roof lifted up, and then the parcel was dropped in, and then uh, elaborately sorted. I don't know how you'd do that. Um, but yeah, you know, I could see mm. it being a possibility. I suppose you could do it the other way round. And Richard suggests this. I think that you do it as a as a collection point. Yeah, so you could have you fill it with little drawers, couldn't you? And you put your stuff in, and then it comes and gets collected. Or you, you know, Amazon just uses it as a standard Amazon locker, and just what? custom builds an enclosure for the middle that has sort of smallish lockers. Well, I thought, I mean, I, I've suggested before now that a great business that doesn't exist is uh, babysitting, but using the food delivery system. So you essentially have babies loaded into a, a heated van you're obsessed um, with this idea aren't you because it will happen at some point in the future um but imagine taking a cardo van like your delivery van or your local delivery service of choice uh take out all the all the food and stuff and replace the trays that they have with little heated beds uh, and then you you simply have two or three babysitters in the van taking care of perhaps two dozen babies in a local area all at once um, and then when the parent wants the baby back, you press the button and it just goes, it, it drives back. Um, so you could essentially do that, but in a it, with, with a phone box, you just have maybe, say, six vertically stored baby beds. Um, I've you... never known anyone that understands babies as little as you do. It's actually scary. I mean, not because you don't, you know, you don't have kids, so it's not that scary. Um, but, you know, the... 
this just does not work as a concept. Babies would not tolerate this. Mm. I, you know, I, I respect the fact that you've you've came up with this idea. I don't know, four years ago, um, and, and your wife in the chat says you bring it up fairly regularly. There's a lot of stuff I bring up fairly fairly regularly, um, but I sometimes I don't know. It's one of these things. It stems from uh, an idea, well, part of an idea of a book that I had years ago that I never wrote, and it was my favorite. It was my favorite idea. Um, everything if you think about it here's the philosophy you would be wrong to bet against the smartphone ever for anything doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter if it's tangible intangible or ridiculous or not anything in future will at some point all come back to a smartphone without exception so why not babysitting why not weddings why not using the toilet at some point it will all come down to the smartphone and we will look back at this point and just as i laugh about the time um what what's been funny in the past? I don't know stuff uh, or things. <laughs> Thanks uh, for being we, so specific. Yeah, we've we've looked at that. Um, <clears throat> we look back and think, oh, that sounded ridiculous at the time, but here we are. Well, I'm telling you, no, this. I'm, babysitting I'm by t- post will happen. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, Nate, that whilst there are elements of truth in what you say about mm. everything coming back to the smartphone, and there could very well be an on-demand babysitting service um, with vetted people, there may already be such a thing. Uh, I'm telling you now, picking up babies and putting them in the back of a van and driving them around until the parents are ready for them is not a thing. Or will it ever be? It could also work to a certain extent with some animals, certainly uh, rodents it could work with. Um, Yeah, that's a good point. You need an emergency guinea pig uh, looker after her. Do you think a cat would tolerate that? Uh, Well... Yes, in as much as if you. So I, I, the answer no. is yes. The, but... uh, no, the answer is no. The answer is no, unless you go <laughs> to the full extent of my original vision for this whole babysitting by remote. What? Uh... That you put them to sleep first? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, no, the idea is that you had the central warehouse, so the vans were just. <laughs> they were just the conduit. So essentially, you just put them in there in temporary storage, but for longer term uh, care, they went to a central <laughs> warehouse with a team of childcare experts. This screaming warehouse full of babies, and now I'm imagining it full of cats, which is both adorable yeah. and so horrifying. Mark questions whether this is tech news, and I would agree, except that my whole idea is that it's centralized on a phone. The phone is the heart of this idea. Also, let's just remind everyone. I am joking here. I think this is an awful, <laughs> awful idea. It would never work, and anyone who tries to make it work should probably go to prison for cruelty reasons. That's what I love about you. You're fully prepared to fight for it tooth and nail, but yes. you actually hate the idea yourself as well. It's a, it's a terrible idea. No one should ever do it. However, if someone does it, I want to be able to say that I came up with it first. It. You want the trillions. Well, we had a bit of feedback from last week's show, Ian. Uh, this came from Simon. He was listening to our conversation about sharing passwords on Netflix. And good on you for listening to that, Simon, because it was a cracking discussion with many salient points made and heard. Uh, anyway, Simon says, if... Ooh, Simon says. I'm sure he's never heard that before. <laughs> 
apologies. Um, if you want to be canny, you can set up six Microsoft accounts with Outlook emails and you now have six terabytes of storage for yourself. Also, double canny, you buy the original Microsoft 365 bundle from your favorite Argos store when it was on offer. You could do that four times a year for about 40 quid. He says winning in bundles. This yeah. stemmed from the conversation we had about um, why you would share your Office 365 account uh, with someone in exchange for access to their Netflix account. Turns out the answer is cloud storage, and a lot of people do it. Yeah, that's Who true. As a, as a man who's now hard up against his 200 gigabyte iCloud limit, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to upgrade to two terabytes, aren't I? Which is a lot more money. Is it? I it's pay, a I get staggering two amount of iCloud for like six pounds a month or something. Yeah, well, it's that's quite a lot more than I'm paying now. But then having said that, it's quite a lot more storage. But I'm wondering if it might be easier and cheaper for me to go for like an Apple One thing. Um, I did the, the, the calculations on that for myself and it isn't. No, I didn't think it would be. It might be if I could split the cost of it with somebody else. So if I sort of got someone in my family, I mean, not maybe not my family, but someone else's family, you know, a friend or something, and uh, we signed up for it and shared Apple TV Plus, uh, whatever the other things are you get, you get our... Uh, you get the uh, fitness thing. Yeah. Yeah. You do, I mean, it, but that's about 20 quid a month, isn't it? So, I mean, I suppose... It's more. It's could, 30. It's 30 pounds it? a month for Apple One. Yeah. Ugh. But they do... Also, the other thing that Apple's got wrong about this is the pricing structure. Because if you... Say if you get the low, lowest, the, you know, the entry level um, Apple One, hmm. then you upgrade the storage to two terabyte. You do get some sort of discount, but it doesn't seem possible to for them to tell you what that is. So I don't know if I got Apple One and just got the basic one, would I get a, an enough of a discount to make it worthwhile? I suspect not. Who knows? Anyway. But it sounds incredibly boring to work out live uh, on a podcast. That's so why I didn't do it. Someone could do that for us and tell Ian. That would be very helpful. Um, <laughs> since we're not around to talk about the tech news every single day, however, um, we have someone on hand who does. His name is Tom Merritt. This is what he's been talking about on Daily Tech News Show over the last week. Should we listen to it now? This week on Daily Tech News Show, why Apple said goodbye to the HomePod, but not the HomePod Mini. Why Intel's 11th gen desktop chips are probably good enough to hold off people from switching, but not win converts back from AMD. Wikipedia wants to charge big tech for better Wikipedia info. Facebook's concept for AR control would read the nerves in your wrist muscles. And why streaming is now so big, even the NFL is buying in. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. The NFL, Ian, I've heard, is a kind of sporting ball game. It is, yeah. It involves, um, I think it's like 300 people per team. Uh, the matches last around eight hours. Um, That's a lot of time, isn't it? And it's um, it's often um, punctuated in the middle by a live concert of some kind uh, oh. that costs £20 trillion. Oh, this is the thing about the superb owls. Yes, Some kind of falconry it. demonstration, the isn't it? The superb owl. Ah, okay, good. Well, uh, for more on that, go and listen to DTNS. Uh, for more on methods to capitalise on uh, virtual babysitting and Ian's iCloud storage ideas, uh, <laughs> you stay listening to text message. Um, I have nothing much more to say other than to thank our patrons. Um, if you're not a patron, this was probably an excellent episode to uh, sample becoming one for because we had a pretty good chat this week, didn't we, Ian? 
we yeah. covered a lot of stuff this week that I think will be of great interest to uh, listeners. But you can support us uh, for a very low amount of money, same as if you're buying us a coffee, basically. Mm. Uh, go to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. And for everyone listening live, thank you for being here. You are all delightful. You look wonderful, I'm sure. You smell fantastic. I am confident. And we'll be back here at the same time next week. Toodle pip, Ian. Toodle pip. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.